I just finished the book A Fate Inked in Blood, which is like this Norse-inspired fantasy romance novel that had some of the hottest spicy scenes that I've read in a, in a minute. And I'm currently in between books. So if you are like me and you're looking for another fantasy world to devour, Dipsy has got you covered. You can dive into spicy enemies to lovers tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your long morning walk, late night or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods. So if you're into Norse gods, you could switch to Greek gods, which could be fun. (laughs) Regency era historical fiction and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash just break up. Dipsystories.com slash just break up. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello! I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like dwindling sex drives, (laughs) when to have children, being gay enough, and how to have faith. Uh, But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning which is that we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, we are not experts. We are not trained in this. In fact, we walked into the studio today and Big Cats had gotten some new like desks for furniture. And mm-hmm. so the whole studio was rearranged. And we both had like a toddler-like <laughs> emotional breakdown because we can't handle change. And we couldn't figure out like where to sit and who to talk to and what a microphone is. Yeah. We just, I hate it. <laughs> I love it. I think the furniture looks great. It just... No, it does look really great. It's like very, um, I don't know why we're incapable of dealing with it. I feel like I would have been better prepared if I had like known it was happening. Oh but like God, Big Cats didn't tell Big us. Big Cats to text us. <laughs> just so you know, the studio is rearranged. You know, tamper your heart. Yeah. <laughs> like stabilize your emotions. That would have been really nice. Big Cats. <laughs> <laughs> the man who is editing an hour of our voice for practical practically free anyway uh we are not professionals please take our advice as you see fit we're just here to offer our humble advice to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love welcome to episode 26 sam 26? 
Happy 2019. Here we are. Yeah, thank you for letting us take a little mental health slash family slash holiday break. We hope you to uh, everybody enjoyed the two weeks off. You got to catch up on old episodes and be with the people you love, hopefully. Um, and welcome to 2019. Holy shit. That's crazy. Almost 2020. <laughs> Always looking ahead, Sam. I'm always. I literally am always rounding up. <laughs> That's right. You yeah. usually do. Round we up. have like seventy plus uh, patrons right now, and I'm like, we have a hundred. <laughs> you know, like, we practically have a hundred. Um, I just round everything up. Um, do you have any resolutions for this new, brand new spanking year? Spanking year. Yeah. Um, so I'm participating in January, which is the thing where you don't drink in January. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. How is it over there in sobriety? Um, you know, fine. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I just need to reset. Yeah, totally. Because um, it's been a lot of fun this, like, holiday season. But right. I'm ready to yeah. take a little break. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Um, I am also going on a little cleanse. I'm going on a social media hiatus on my personal accounts. Um, because I am trying to prioritize my novel writing. Mm -hmm. Um, so for like the month of January into February, I'm going to, um, temporarily not deactivate my accounts, but I'm going to give my password to someone else. (laughs) Yeah. It might be you. You might be my (laughs) Harry Potter secret keeper, you know? Okay. Um, but you just can't go through my DMs. I wouldn't. No, you totally would. No. I would apps. If you, if I had your Facebook password, I would at least open your message thing that's why we're different people <laughs> yeah, like that's why i don't have a facebook psych um, uh, i don't I mean don't that in a, a creepy facebook. way i just feel like with great power comes great moral responsibility that i don't have yeah yeah anyway um any other like uh any uh, maybe not resolutions because i think the idea of like a new beginning um is a coy to make us feel inadequate all the time. Mm-hmm. But I do believe in like resetting your intentions mm-hmm. and um, visualize and manifestation and all those other hippie bullshit that you hate, you know, but also believe in. <laughs> do you have any like intentions for the year? Um, I think I would like to run another half marathon Ooh, this year. Excellent. So we'll be um, more active in my training. Um Yeah, I think one of the things that I'm trying to do is be more present in the moment because I think I get distracted by things pretty easily. Yeah. Like my phone or like playing a video game or like watching a mindless television, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes you need that. But I would like to be able to um, like be more present. Right. I love that. Um, Yeah, I think I... I... Halfway through the year last year, I decided to like lead with love. Right. Like prioritize happiness um not love even romantic but like the idea of love like follow follow the idea of your heart and happiness Mm -hmm. um and i want to like continue that because that has led to be very fruitful for me in my in my mental thinking and i'm also this 2019 is the year of just breakup i'm gonna put that (laughs) out there in the world we're gonna get you know, an average of 10,000 listens per episode. We're going to get sponsorship. What up, Bumble? Hey, Bumble. Um, and we're also going to do our first live show, and we're going to get some support. Like, I'm going to put this all out into the world because I was, I truly love doing the podcast so much, and it's, it's become a bigger part of my 
heart slash life than I ever anticipated. So mm-hmm. that has required me to like shuffle around my priorities a little mm-hmm. in terms of like, I want this to be sustainable and big, which means me, the self-employed artist of the two of us, between writing my novel and putting out a new book um, and the podcast, like those are the two major projects that I'm going to focus on in 2019. I love that. So get ready to record a lot more with me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And uh, I just realized that Just Break Up could be so much more than a podcast. It could be a community and a brand and and, um, dare I say fucking Gwyneth Paltrow style lifestyle, (laughs) you know. um, Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, I don't mean it like goop. Like as big as Goop, yeah. <laughs> but I just think that I, I we have something really special, and I love the people who are on this special journey with us. And I just like it's going to be the year of JBU. Great, I love it. Yeah. Um, and on that note, Sam and I want to share a letter from um, someone who wrote us, and we answered their question way back. In episode 17, and we thought this letter was so endearing, we just wanted to start off the first episode of 2019 with this. Um, Robin Goodfellow, a.k.a. Puck, is writing to us from The Void, and they write, Hi, Sam and Sierra. You answered my question in episode 17. Thank you, and I thought you might be interested to know what ended up happening. You can totally share this on the podcast. So, hilariously, the episode came out on the day my ex-girlfriend and I broke up. You guys were right. It was a mismatch of effort, and after speaking to her about exactly what I needed, I realized she could never give me that, and it's not her fault, nor is it mine for needing it. Obviously, I'm devastated, and I still love her so hard, but we had a lot of closure, and she said some things that reassured me that we were making the right decision in the long run, even though it hurts for both of us right now. I listened to your episode on the train back from her house and cried a bunch. But while what y'all said about, quote, you can break up with someone you love and still continue to love them was exactly what I needed, which is to say that when your friends in real life or strangers across an ocean alike tell you that you're not being loved in the ways you deserve, they're probably right. I have been given many a cuddle and glass of wine by my best friend since the breakup. And while this all hurts like hell, I don't regret any of it. The nearly three years we were together or the three days we've been broken up. Also, Sierra, your all-black apartment sounds dope. And yes, I'm an English major (laughs) double. So thanks, Puck, for that update. We really appreciate it. And we really appreciate doing this work with all of you out there. Um, Thanks for bringing us into your new year. Let's get into our first letter. Great. Our first letter. Our first letter comes from Alexandra, who's writing from Kentucky. Hi, my name is Alexandra, 22, and I'm a cis straight woman. I have been with my boyfriend for almost two years now, and we've been living together for a year and a half. As I'm writing this, I'm honestly trying to figure out what my question is. Hmm. First, a little backstory. When I was young, I was raped by a family friend many times for several weeks before he was caught and sent to jail. I went to and still go to therapy, and though it feels like a distant memory, I'm sure it still has its effects on me. Throughout my years, my college years included, even though I went on dates and parties, I always felt strongly to deny sexual advances from every guy. I have never had consensual sex until meeting my current boyfriend. After two months of being with him, I never felt safer. The first year, I was so open and wanted to have sex all the time. I started on both birth control for the first time about six months in. But now we have sex much less, and it's all on me. I don't initiate, I don't turn him down, but I certainly make it known that I'm not in the mood and don't want to, or and I don't know why. Is it because of the birth control messing with my hormones? Is it my history with sex and the fact that it's that until him, it's been a bad history? 
Is this a normal slowdown of sex that happens in relationships? Is it a combination of those? I can tell that he feels hurt by me wanting less. I'm sorry if this letter is too personal, but any advice you can give me would be so greatly appreciated. I just don't know what to do. Oh, Alexandra, thank you so much for writing. I love this letter. I first think that Sam and I both want to start off by saying we're really sorry for what happened to you when you were younger, um, but we're really glad that you've made it here today to write to us. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think that this is a great letter because I think off the bat, used it correctly <laughs> that time, off the bat, it immediately showcases how nuanced sex can be internally our own emotional responses to it and like our own triggers and externally like how um we kind of we can a have our own sex drives betray us or Mm -hmm. turn off Mm -hmm. for us without like us touching any switch or that the fact that we feel um i'm sure that alexandra feels some sort of guilt towards her boyfriend yeah um and it's just sex is complicated and nuanced and is is way more multifaceted than I think we are brought up to think. Like yep. in the in high school, I thought sex was something that you did, and that was it. <laughs> you know, like end of story. Uh-huh. Not knowing that it is something that you, um, that you carry with you, that you um, can want. You can want things that you don't want. That you can feel guilty about it. You can betray yourself. You can like things you never thought you would like. You can never want to have sex with a person you love more than anyone. Like it's just so, it's so complicated. So mm-hmm. that's why I really appreciate this letter. Absolutely. So Sam, let's talk about ourselves a little bit. Like, have you? This is also pretty personal. Um, <laughs> but have you ever experienced like a? a decline in sex drive in your life, uh, in relationships, in a way that has maybe um, affected your relationship or or maybe that you were stressed out by? Uh, Yeah, I have. Um, I think that there, you know, I am a person who likes sex but isn't, like, someone who has a lot of it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And so I do think that there... um, you know, like there have been times where I've wanted to have sex less than than my partner has. Um, and, you know, I think it's just one of those things where uh, open and honest communication is incredibly important. Right. Um, and you don't necessarily have to have an explanation why you aren't really in the mood. Um, but, you know, being able to say, um, you know, it's not you that is doing this to me. Right. It's it's just the way that I'm feeling about this. And. Are there other things that we can do to show you how much I I love you? Right. I think that adds to the complication of sex, too, is because we also think the language of desire and the body are so clear or should Mm. make sense. Right. You love me. We're in a relationship. You should want you find me attractive. You should want to have sex with me. Right. right? We, We think it should all be a a plus b equals c sort of thing and that's why things like um low sex drives or infidelity or anything like that really fuck with our heads because we want it to make sense in like an equation sort of thing right um i put on lingerie shouldn't you want me Right. right i um you think that I'm attractive but you slept with somebody else like that doesn't compute to me you know what i mean um i think it's the 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 manifestation of desire is is way more complicated than than we assume. Oh, for sure, yeah, and it's not all about sex too, right? Totally, it's our desires for people uh, 
are multifaceted. Right. Like it's about sometimes it's about us. power. Sometimes it's about affirmation. Yep. Sometimes it's literally about a little tiny boner, you know, <laughs> like in your heart <laughs> that you just want to satisfy. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I too have felt I've had really. Um, I don't. I almost said I have. I've had a complicated relationship to like sex and desire, but now that I'm. I self-reflect more. I, I wonder if it's more common than I think, hmm. you know, like maybe I've just had this, this relationship with it that everybody has or, or yep. something like that. Um, there have been times that I have had a lack of sex drive in a relationship. Um, but I think that was for me personally, it boiled down to more of a mismatched um, identities or sexualities mm-hmm. or um, desires really. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really wanted to be with someone and, and love them with my whole heart, but couldn't bring myself to show that love physically because of whatever reason. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, but I also, so I, I don't a hundred percent relate to the idea of, of a lowered sex drive, Mm -hmm. um, because I think other things were working like, we're, we're fucking with my s- desire in general, you know? Yep. It was more just like I didn't want to have sex with that person, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But to share my own piece of sexual hi- fucked up history, <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think that I have often convoluted the desire to be wanted with the desire to have sex. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I've had... It's same. Right? Totally. <laughs> it's like... I want, um, I'll have sex because I want to feel affirmed, not because I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And we could unpack that in a whole episode. That's like my 20s. Yeah, totally. <laughs> literally. Um, but anyway, Alexandra, back to you. Um, so I think the w- reason why I preface it with like the idea that sex is really convoluted and more multifaceted than we assume is because I think it is what you might think it is, meaning it could be a mixture of things. Right. I want to start by saying it is absolutely normal to kind of lose the spark in a relationship mm-hmm. as time goes on. Yep. It's just like our um, adrenaline is less is less engaged with when we've had sex with this person for yep. the thousandth time, period. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. um, our our fantasies might be a little less aligned or or maybe they're more of a comfort, like a comfortable space for you instead of like a um, a raunchy vacation. <laughs> <laughs> but I, and I, I say that to just normalize it so you don't feel broken or you don't feel like you need to ne- necessarily like dig inside yourselves to find out what's quote unquote wrong with you. Yep. That being said, I do think that your history with um, sexual violence may be impacting this. Your mm-hmm. birth control absolutely could be impacting this. We all know that birth control is a sexist industry that loves to <laughs> fuck with the hormones and bodies of women and not men. Um, true. It's true. No, yeah. I mean, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you, made a, you made a wincing face like I was wrong, but it, I see that you were wincing at the truthness oh, yeah. of it. Yeah, the truth. Um, and I know lots of women, Alexandra, um, I'm not currently on birth control, but I know lots of women who have had, um, similar and even more extreme reactions to their birth control, um, depression, heavy mood swings, Mm -hmm. um, issues with their digestion. Um, and so, 
yeah, I just want to p- validate all of those things. Unfortunately, with me echoing, like, it just might be all of it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I don't think that's necessarily helpful, but it might be comforting. Absolutely. And I think the the main thing for me is that there's no right or wrong amount of sex to be having. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we get told that everyone should have this amount of sex to keep their their relationships healthy. Spicy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that um, as long as it's working for you, you can have as much or as little sex as you want to have. Right. Um, and so I want to, I don't want you to think that you're broken because of this or that you're doing something wrong. Like you're just a person with these circumstances right. um, and you're making the best decisions that you can. So um, don't think that this is something that needs to be fixed. Um, but there are opportunities for you to, to, um, to try new things to see if they're, if, if you were, are interested in having more sex, there are things that you can try. Maybe going off birth control, right. maybe talking to your therapist about this issue specifically, right. um, because there are, you know, things in our past can really fuck with our heads and, mm-hmm. um, that can play out during sex as well. Um, if you're on a, um, antidepressant also, when I was on antidepressants, it really messed with my sex drive too. Really? So um, it might be any of those things. Right. Um, and if you're interested, you know, this isn't a thing that you need to solve immediately. As long as you are in open communication with your boyfriend about what you're going through, um, you know, that is fine. It's yeah. not like you need to fix something immediately. But if you are interested in having more sex, there are some things that you could try to right. get to the bottom of this. And I definitely think, too, if you look to any of these resources anywhere on the spectrum from a therapist to Google, right? Yeah. It might give you the language to talk about it with your boyfriend because mm-hmm. I do think you should check in with him, too, um, be, and and maybe explain to him, um, give him the language to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. That to say... Um, I'm struggling with these things. I find you really attractive. Um, I love you. I love our relationship. Um, And I'm having a hard time engaging with this part of it. Can you help me? Can you Mm. be present with me? Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of potentially, like, basically set him up for success so that he doesn't ever guilt trip you, so he doesn't ever misunderstand, um, so that he doesn't ever interpret your lack of sex drive for something that it isn't. Um, And I'm going to just like assume the better of him and assume that he would never do that to you because he's like an understanding, compassionate partner. But I do know that sex can trigger a lot of insecurities too when you don't feel desired or or whatever. Absolutely. Um, So just making sure you're checking in with him with a language that makes it sustainable for you guys to talk about sex in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. So basically we're saying... The dip in your sex drive is totally normal and could be caused by a myriad of things. Yep. Um, but it's just worth exploring if you want to fix it. Absolutely. We love you. Thank you so much for writing, Alexandra. Thank you. Summer's here and your wardrobe needs an upgrade. Instead of flimsy fast fashion haul, spend your money wisely on high quality essentials that will last the season. This is why I love Quince, because when you go on the Quince website, it is just chock full of very reasonably priced, very high end items. And the quality of all of these things is beyond anything that you could get anywhere. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linens, which Sam is really into, for under $50. 
luxury mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from $30. All of their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands, and because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you'll have them in your closet forever. Most recently, y'all, I got some 14 karat gold tiny little hoops that I wear all the time. They're one of those staple jewelry items that you don't need to change out all the time because they look so good with every outfit. I love the quality. I love the size. And I love the versatility of this jewelry that I can wear all year with any different outfit that you want to dress up or dress down. I know you're wondering how they do it. Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middle person and pass the savings on to you. And what's even better, Quince only works with factories that you safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes. So I can feel good about getting high quality items that last longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up for free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. Our next letter is from Danielle G, who is writing to us from The Void. Danielle writes, I am a 26-year-old woman in a four-year-long relationship with a man 10 years older than me. We recently got engaged in May of 2018, and the way he proposed was incredibly thoughtful and beautiful. Thus far, the age difference has never been a problem. I barely even notice it except for a few weird pop culture things that went over my head. However, since we've gotten engaged, we've had several conversations about having children. Previously, I said I wanted to have a baby before 30, but the closer I got to that age, the less sure about it I am. I do want to have a child, but for a 26-year-old, I have never traveled outside the country or even traveled around the United States that much. However, my fiancé doesn't want to have a child after he turns 40. I totally understand where he's coming from. Let me also tell you that he already has a 7-year-old son who I absolutely adore. But I really want to experience being pregnant. I guess my question is, how should I handle discussing this with him? And is it fair for me to ask him to wait a few years to have a child, even if it means he will be around 60 when the child graduates? Am I being selfish, wanting to travel and experience more than just have a child in a house? This is giving me pretty severe anxiety, and I don't want my relationship to end because of this. I love him, and I just wish we were on the same page. Thank you. I love this podcast and appreciate your sincerity. Thank you so much, Danielle, for writing. I really appreciate this letter. Absolutely. So first, really quick personal question to Sam. Yeah. <laughs> What's the biggest age difference that you've dated? Dated? Mm-hmm. Um, six years? Yeah. How old were you? Uh, 25, I think. Were they older or younger? Older. Yeah. Yeah, I only date people who are older than me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little... Youngest child thing. <laughs> I, yep. <laughs> I'm the youngest child too. And then I was like going through it. I've dated people younger than me, but it, they all ended poorly. Well, haven't they all really? <laughs> was, I was going to say Sierra. <laughs> um, the biggest age infants I had was when I was 23 and I dated a 32 year old, but he turned out to be a psychopath. So. So don't marry or don't date older men is what we're telling you. No, Danielle, we're not telling you that at all. I'm sorry. I just wanted to ask Sam that personal question before we got into answering you. Danielle, I this is sincere, actually. I want to say, hey, congratulations 
on having a great four-year relationship with what sounds like a really great person. And congratulations mm-hmm. on your engagement. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, so let's get into baby making. Um, <laughs> let's not. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it happens, Danielle. <laughs> No, but um, I think one I want to first absolutely affirm you and say it is not selfish to want to travel and experience more than just having a child and house. We our culture tends to um, one dimensionalize. Mm-hmm. I made a verb out of that. One dimensionalize um, parents, particularly mothers. Like we can't women who have babies can't um and don't get me wrong we're we're making huge strides towards this but when we picture a mother we don't picture a woman who has more than one identity we mm. don't picture somebody who has a really fierce career who um also might be the breadwinner who has a whole different you know who goes back to school or loves to fuck like we 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 have a really hard time imagining a mother like mm. also having an active sex life and i yep. think that just is because we like to flatten women down into swallowable stereotypes. And that is all to say, Danielle, that you as a mother will be a better mother the more well-rounded and well-lived your life is. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Because your job is not just to birth a child and to raise it. Your job is to have an amazing life to share that child with potentially Mm. some of it, not all of it. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Your job is to be happy. Um, and if your happiness comes from something other than a child for a while, I think that's really important. Absolutely. And it's you also that, don't want to resent your husband. Right. And it's also clear that this is what you want to do as well. You know, you want to travel. You want to have and new And 26 is young. I yep. don't mean that in a trivializing way, but like, yep. dang, I would be intimidated too, girl. Like I, at 26, that would have been really scary to me to think, okay, I got to have a kid in two years or yeah. whatever. Yep. Um. Absolutely. And I also want to say 26 is is young. And I will also say that 60 is not old. So, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I wanted to say it, too, is that I think we have to start as the birth age gets older, which it is because of educational reasons, job reasons, anything. Right. Um, Access to resources. As the birth age gets older, we have to start accepting that parents are going to look and be older yep. for the next generation. We just have to, Absolutely. we have to lean into that and, and, and say, that's not a weird thing. That's just, Absolutely. A, it's just inevitable. Right. Yeah. My parents were in their late fifties when they, when I graduated from high school. How old were they when you were born? <clears throat> uh, 36, I believe. Really? That actually makes, that brings me a lot of comfort Yeah. because I love your parents and I love how active they are yep. and active in their grandchildren's lives and their children' lives, children's lives, but I'm 32 and I've been having like anxiety of like, okay, if I want to have a kid, am I going to have it in the next three fucking years? Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I I would love to have kids in three years, but I it's still really intimidating. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. No, they had me, and I never thought of them as old when I was. In high school. That's right? great. Like, That's I'm so glad you're sharing that perspective. Yeah, I was like, they were all, I was actually surprised when people had parents who were y- younger than mine. Because right. I just assumed all parents were sort of. That age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think 60, like grad, your child graduating from high school when you're 60 is like not that crazy. Right. <laughs> like 60 is is a, a good age, age to be. Right. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um. You know, like people are running marathons at 60. Yeah, and like, totally. Right. So I don't think um, 
I just want to uh, push back and say that, like, it's okay to be an older parent. Um, and I don't think you should feel guilty about asking your future husband to wait a little bit because he's going to be older um, when the kids graduate from right. high school. Yeah. And I was, like, kind of joking about this letter with Sam before we started recording. And um, I, like, told him that I was going to say to you, Danielle, I am, like, 75 to 85% on your side. <laughs> and basically what I mean by that is that I'm 100% on your side. I think any woman has a right to pursue a life outside of motherhood on a timeline for them. Yeah. But where my percentage shifts is when I recognize that, A, this is obviously a healthy, loving relationship. You guys have been together long enough to where you you have um, er, sustained, right? Yep. Um, and B, in any healthy relationship, there has to be some compromise. Yep. So, and and I'm sure there's like a young feminist out there shaking her fist at me, and I applaud you. <laughs> um, because because I do really strongly believe in Danielle's right to pursue whatever she wants, but I also know that if it is a common goal yep. between her and her husband, her future husband, there has to be um, compromise, and it doesn't even have to be an age. Like, maybe you can convince him to wait four years until you're 30 to have yep. kids, right? Um, or or six years or whatever. Yep. But the, maybe the compromise it comes in the form of a really transparent conversation about what you want before having children and why you need X amount of time and why it's okay for him to wait. Yep. Um, maybe the compromise is transparency, right? Yep. And and you two having like a a higher level of intimacy conversation about this. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think um, like you both have made it pretty clear what your, what your, where your line in the sand is. And then what happens now is in between there. Yep. Um, Yeah. That's a perfect way to put it. Is that the, the the answer to this letter is somewhere between those two lines. Yes, absolutely. Um, And so we were, when we were talking about this letter, we also said, like, why don't you make a bucket list of, yes. like, things that you want to do before you have a baby? Yeah. And then, first of all, make sure that those are all, like, reasonable and feasible. Right. <laughs> Real talk, I have actually started a mental baby—I call it my baby bucket list. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And that might be a little weird <laughs> to admit, but I just thought that I think having um, a baby is important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and having a baby actually within three years is important to me because I'm 32, about to turn 33 in June. And so, like, I have a timeline in mind, right? Yeah. And so I created my mental baby bucket list because I, I, that means it's not even prioritizing motherhood or my future child. Mm-hmm. It's me prioritizing the things I want to do. It's me putting, like, a fire under my ass to mm-hmm. say, you want these things, so go get them. Yeah. You know, so that's a great way to look at it. If I don't ever ha- end up having a child, I know that I've pursued the things I want in my life. Yeah. So, like Sam was saying, Danielle, create that pre-baby bucket list. Yep. P B B L. That's great. We'll put that on coffee mug for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then look at it and say, like, feasibly, how long do, do I think this is going to take me to get done? Right. And then sort of figure out from there how much time you need yeah. in order to. To get those things done, but I, also prioritize it, right? Because right. like he wants to have a baby before forty, and I think that's a very reasonable thing for someone to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, within the parameters of that, what can you right? And everybody, this is a great example because I 
we've talked about this in past episodes, but people think that so many, and I'm not saying this about you, Danielle, I'm more of the universe out there and myself. <laughs> we think of relationship things as so intuitive or heart driven mm -hmm. or emotion driven, right? Yep. When really what we're proposing you do, Danielle, is sit down with your future husband, have a really practical conversation about what you want to accomplish. And that conversation will even include like a budget. Like, okay, <laughs> what can I afford to do before having a child? Yeah. How much time can I take off of work? And I don't think, I think people forget that a lot of what making a relationship works. Like, like a lot about what makes it work is that it comes down to the practical details of every day. Yep. And so can you two, Danielle, can you two have a conversation about where can we fall in between these two lines in the sand? Like, where can we fall there that feels true and authentic to both of us and respects both of our desires? Yep. And what can we do in the meantime before we have a child? Like, what can I afford? Where can I go? What would I rather share? What would I rather do by myself or share with my husband or share with my future child? Yep. You know, and I will also say that life doesn't stop after you have children, right? Either, right. So, you know, if your dream is to go to Paris and you can't afford that right now, like you may take be that able baby to, to the Eiffel Tower, <laughs> right? You can bring the kids with you. You they could fly for free for the first year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to endorse you no, going know, to Paris with an infant. <laughs> That's my like practical brain. I'm always trying to save money and I'm like, I'm going to take a newborn everywhere with me. Not realizing how fucking hard it is to travel with a newborn. Right. But like you, you just because you are, you become a mother doesn't mean that you end being those other things. So you can still be a world traveler and a mother. You yes. can still be a career person and a mother. Yes. Um, and you can leave the kids with grandma and then yep. go to Australia or whatever yep. you want to do. And that makes you, that doesn't make you a bad mother. <laughs> It just means that you are doing the things in your life that you want to be You're doing. You're allowed to pursue your own life after Absolutely. you have a child. Yeah. I think about um, my grandmother. My grandmother in the 50s chose to go to um, get her master's mm -hmm. like after she had children, even though my grandfather didn't want her to. He was like cool and liberal, but he just it was just like impractical. And she was like, no, fuck you. I'm going to go get my master's. <laughs> and then later in her life... Um, the kids were all gone, but later in life, she chose to travel. Like my grandmother um, had pr the privilege of being able to travel, but so she would go to abroad by herself yep. for years um, without my grandfather because that's what she wanted. So your life does not begin and end with children or with your marriage or with the house you are in. You are limitless right now. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing, Danielle. We hope this helps. Thank you. We love you. Our next letter comes from Sandra, Sandra, writing from The Void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Your podcast has helped me endlessly, and I relate to so many of the letters that you have selected. My brother has known he is gay since he was a child. He is still a kid, and being a part of the LGBTQ community already is a huge part of his identity. Oh my God, so cute. I know, right? <laughs> Can't even. My family was incredibly accepting when he came out, and we are all strong allies and try to help my brother to feel loved and accepted for who he is. For a while, I assumed I was straight because I had only dated or thought about dating men. I had never thought about my sexuality because I thought that if my brother was gay, that somehow meant that I could not be gay. Hmm. I have, however, found that I am attracted to both men and women. I have noticed that my attraction uh, to women, I have noticed my attraction to women for several years now. But I worry, though, that my attraction to women stems from society's over-sexualization of women. 
I never once questioned whether or not my brother's sexuality was true. However, because I did not know since I was young like him, I'm afraid that society's view of women is causing me to cause to question my sexuality. I have found myself having feelings for women and being attracted to women, but I am struggling to validate my own sexuality. Mm. That is such a good letter. Yeah. Thank you for writing, Sandra. Um, I strongly relate to this letter. I do, too. It's like not a bisexual woman, but just like <laughs> the questioning of my sexuality for sure. Tell me more. Uh, I mean, when I was in high school, like I didn't think that I was gay. It mm-hmm. was like I never um, it wasn't like I knew and I like kept it a secret. It was like I literally was in denial about it until I started like like thinking about men sexually. And then yeah. it was like, why am I thinking? Yeah. What? Like, this? why is my brain going there? Yeah. <laughs> Right. And being like, is this normal? Like, what is happening to me? Is this something that like everyone goes through? I don't understand. Um, And then like had to sort of come to terms with the fact that like, oh, no, I think that this is a forever thing and that I am gay. Totally. I think that's such a great perspective to share. And I also didn't know you felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, But I think that's a great perspective to share because um, as the 100 percent homo in the room. <laughs> It is. Uh, it's great to hear from somebody who knows they're gay, fully gay, doesn't want to sleep with women, but who felt illegitimate, mm-hmm. you know, or who felt like if I wasn't Lady Gaga born this way, right? Um, then what's wrong with me, you know? Yep. Um, and I think I felt that way too. Um, I think I feel felt that way, way closer to Sandra because my eldest sister is gay, right? And I'm one of th- three girls, and. I just felt like, well, two out of three, <laughs> that can't be real, you know? <laughs> um, and I, I always felt, I, I also I also relate to what Sandra said about over-sexualization of women. Mm-hmm. That, like, when I was, I have been attracted to and have dated or been involved with women since I was 18. Right. Um, and then I think my attraction started way before that. I just didn't acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. But when I was younger i think that i shifted back into heteronormativity because i assumed that my sexual deviation as a young person was quote unquote experimental mm. or like I, I never thought like oh i was just experimenting but i did think like man i would have slept with anything at that time <laughs> <laughs> you know i did think well dang like i just was like sowing my oats as they say <laughs> Ah, yes. And so, like, maybe, so Sandra wrote about, like, the over-sexualization of women. Mm -hmm. I think that where I relate to is that when I was younger, I just wanted to be a sexual being. And I didn't think of it in terms of, I didn't validate my own desires. I just thought, like, you have desires, go pursue them or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I did the opposite. I, like, de-validated I, I unvalidated myself by saying, like, oh, you were just young. You were just horny. You were just exploring yeah. yourself. Yeah. Instead of being like, those were real relationships that you loved and pursued and had desire in, you mm-hmm. know? Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that, yeah, that's a a common thing that I think a lot of bisexual people also totally. feel, too. Yeah. Um, that their relationships with one of the genders doesn't count doesn't count yeah right? i really want to hear from a bisexual male male on our 
on our podcast. Yeah. Just because I totally think of all, of of the bi- all bisexuals are um, alienated in one way or another, mm-hmm. but um, I will never forget the Sex in the City episode where <laughs> Carrie, which is a terrible show, but also like so indulgent. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, Carrie dates like a bisexual man. And she just like couldn't get over it. And all of her girlfriends just couldn't deal. No. Um, and I remember watching it while dating a woman when I was way younger and thinking like, ooh, like <laughs> they're talking about me, you know, like yeah. do my friends feel that way about me? Um, anyway, Sandra, um, we're here to tell you, we're queer and here to tell you <laughs> that, that uh-huh. what's just like that. We're here, we're queer, and we are here to tell you that it's possible to have more than one gay child. Yes. I can, yes. I mean, in only so many in our of my friend friends. group alone, <laughs> right. in our friend group alone, I can think of at least three. Yeah. Yeah. I'm included in that. Yeah. Um, at least three. Of, Friends of ours who have more than one queer child in their in their family. Yep. Um, we're also queer, and we're here to tell you that um, j- your the picture that you paint of your brother is a, a picture that is really clear. We can see it. We all know that little kid who knew from the second they popped out of their mom's vagina that that was going to be the last <laughs> vagina they ever touched. <laughs> you know, yep. like we all know those children, right? Um, but that is not the only way to form an identity. Absolutely. And it's not the right way either. There's no wrong or right way to find the path to yourself and and to walk along the path into into partnership, right? Yep. Um into sex or desire. Yep. That you are you are unfolding yourself one layer at a time and there's no right or wrong pace and there's no comparison to someone else. Absolutely. That, that because your brother has such a loud and strong understanding of his sexual identity doesn't make him any more or less worthy and valid as a, que- a, a queer person than you are. That's right. And and guess what? This is all true even if you end up with a man. Yes. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. And I think um, now is your opportunity to to try things out too, right? Like you're having these feelings of affection towards women. You can act on them. And right. if you don't like it, you don't like it. And like, that's fine. Right. <laughs> My guess is that you you're, will probably, gonna, you're probably going to like it. Oh, you're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, kidding. <laughs> but like, there's no, there's no um, requirement that you identify right. immediately. Right? right. You have, you get the time and space you need to figure things out and to try it out. Right. You don't have to say, I'm a bisexual before you are allowed to have sex with women, right? right? You get to just figure out what you like with different people and um, and then you can arrive at what fits best for you. Right. And so maybe it is that you are just, you just have romantic feelings towards women and you don't actually want to have sex with them. That's totally fine too. Totally. But the only way for you to um, understand that more about yourself is to to actually, you know, start having those, doing the head and heart work basically of- mm-hmm. How do I feel about these people? What do I want to do with them? And how can I start to to make that happen? Right. Totally. I also just want to point out that I think it is. If you can pull yourself out of this situation and reflect on it 
as though you were someone else, right? Mm. Like we always, we're always harder on ourselves mm. than we are on anyone else. Right. And I want you to like pull out and re-listen to the letter that Sam read and, and recognize that how your brain is doing a lot of mental gymnastics to make you feel illegitimate mm. and yep. to make you feel like you are on the wrong path. Right. And the reality is you can turn those functions off just by acknowledging them and being like, fuck you, brain. <laughs> Basically, um, I'm going to I'm going to trust my instincts and trust my desires yep. and, exp- and and trust myself enough to explore them. Yep. And God bless your little gay brother for being <laughs> the little gay mo that he is. I love it. But God bless you for knowing yourself. Absolutely. For trusting yourself and for believing yourself enough to explore this. Absolutely. There's no right or wrong way to be gay and there's no right or wrong way to be a person. Right. Absolutely. And I also want, I feel like I implied that you needed to like have sex in order to be <laughs> identify yourself when that's not true. <laughs> yeah. I also so said <laughs> you, you can be a bisexual and never have sex with or only have sex with one gender, but still identify as a bisexual. Or never have sex. Right. Oh, absolutely. So that's not what I was implying. Right. More I was like, we don't need to necessarily put, you don't have to. Put a label on it before you're allowed to do the actions. And I, my accountability <laughs> moment is, I just said, God bless. And I, I just, I don't know if I believe in God. <laughs> okay. Well, we got that off our chest. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Definitely sorry. believe in a higher power. Just want to say that. Just want to define myself. <laughs> sorry, Sandra. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, anyway, we love you. We hope you feel um, proud to be yourself. Absolutely. Um, because we're proud to know you. Uh, hope this helps. Thanks for writing. Thank you. We love you. All right. Our last letter comes to us from, I hope I didn't offend people who do believe in God. <laughs> I don't think you did. Okay. <laughs> That's everybody, you know, to each their own. Yes. <laughs> Not all journeys can be mine. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to accurately represent myself. I, this podcast is the most authentic thing I've ever done including all of my poems, you know, like my poems are so personal, but still somehow sitting in a room with you talking my ass off. (laughs) It's just the most me thing. And I felt like I needed to clarify. Anyway, last letter of episode 26 writing to us from Oregon is anonymous, anonymous, anonymous writes. Hey guys, I'm a 36 year old divorced single mom. I grew up in a very conservative Christian church and started dating my ex-husband when I was 19. We were together for eight years and he was very controlling verbally and mentally abusive person with some real addiction problems. He eventually cheated on me, which led to the breakup of our marriage. In the almost nine years since it's ended, I've fought hard to find a place of confidence and self-love and I feel like I've been pretty successful. I love myself. I love my life and I am generally pretty happy. It's when you get to the areas that pertain to my love life that everything turns to, into a shit show. I've dated around. I've had some one night stands, even though that's not really my jam. I've had one two and a half year relationship that ended in the most torturous way and almost devastated me. Recently, I've been dating someone for about seven months. He was just out of a long-term relationship and grew up the way I did and told me multiple times that he was not ready for a relationship. I fell for him anyway. And sure enough, it circled back to him just not being ready to and wanting to be friends for now. He is the best man I've ever known, emotionally connected, mature, so kind and respectful of me. I understand and have compassion for where he's coming from, but 
I am heartbroken. My question is, how do I keep my hopes up? I keep trying and putting my whole heart into people, and I'm starting to despair that there is anyone out there who's willing to do the work with me. Mm. My friends tell me these endings are not my fault, and mentally I know that, but emotionally it's hard to understand. I get scared I'm never going to find anyone, that I'm going to die alone. I want to believe the universe is just freeing up space for me to find my purpose, clearing the way for my great true love. But it's hard to have faith in something you can't see when it's just been disappointment after disappointment. And I keep getting older. How do I say soft, stay open, stay hopeful? Mm. How do I have faith? I love that letter so much. Anonymous. Thank you so much for writing. Um, It's a really meaningful and well-written letter, and Sam and I, as English majors, <laughs> love a good choice of words. We um, do. We really do. I first want to say um, I really appreciate it. It honestly fills me with a sense of purpose and a sense of gratitude to hear about someone like you doing the work. Mm-hmm putting in that head and heart work to come to a place of peace and self-love. Yep. I instantly feel kindred with you and feel less alone in the world. And mm-hmm. that might sound hyperbolic, but it's true. I feel it in my body right now that like, this is why we're doing it because we want to commit to a world in which people do this work. Yep. And it doesn't just free up the space for our higher purpose or whatever. It it makes for a, a better, more open, compassionate world right like that we are doing this work not just for ourselves but for other people absolutely so i just want to say thanks anonymous (laughs) you're doing the right work even though it might be lonely sometimes i think one of one of the first reviews our podcast ever got or maybe it was like a message you know 20 episodes ago somebody wrote us and said that they liked our episode they loved what we were doing and that their old psych professor used to say that a lot of this head and heart work can make us feel lonely because we d- we feel like other people aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that to, to acknowledge that loneliness, that, you know, we're doing the right thing. Absolutely. You know, um, that that it was comforting enough to hear that it, it, it can be lonely work sometimes, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think that absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um Especially because as you do this head and heart work and try and work on yourself, it becomes easier to see um, yes. when other people aren't doing it. Oh, my God. Like that meme I've shared on our Instagram that's like me dating at 21. It's like, hey, what are you into? And then me dating in my 30s. It's like, how well do you understand your past dramas so that you don't take them out on me? <laughs> you know? Uh, which is absolutely true. And so then it becomes, um, I think it sets it. It does. It sets us up for more disappointment because we know about ourselves. We know what we want and right. and people aren't able to deliver on that. But it also um, is setting you up for success because you know what you want and you, you know how to communicate and you know how to work through issues. And like that is what good, true love looks like. Right. And and taking anything less than that is just denying yourself something that we know that you deserve. Um, and so I will say that it may feel lonely be, to be doing this work, but Sierra and I are here with you. Right. Um, and we are amazed and proud and so happy that you're you're on this journey. Right. Um, so let's talk about the shitty part, right? <laughs> the fact that it can 
regardless of two strangers across the country telling you that we're with you, it can feel lonely. And that despair that you wrote about can come up. And Mm -hmm. I think that despair, that word is going to hit a lot of people's hearts who hear this. Um, It can be lonely, especially in our culture that not only promotes um, partnership, but like rewards it, you know, financially in our taxes, (laughs) um, emotionally, our families. Also, when you get married, people buy you presents. Yeah, I know. I'm really jealous of your... Shopping list or whatever. What is it when you your registry? Yeah, yeah. Got some great plates. <laughs> plates. Um, but anonymous. Um, one of your lines that stood out to me is, um, "I'm starting to despair that there's anyone out there who was who's willing to do the work with me." Mm-hmm. And I want to point out two things. I want to point out that as hard it is as it is to accept this, there are people out there who are willing to do that work. Mm -hmm. But what's even more important is that you now know within yourself that you're not willing to accept less. Mm -hmm. And if you can find peace in that, if you can find any harmony, like in your heart that like, it's not only that you can do the work is that you only want someone else who can do that work with you. Mm -hmm. And what a strange what comforting blessing that can be that like, you know yourself so well right now that you're not going to be willing to accept somebody who hasn't unpacked their, their baggage, who, who isn't willing to show up for you. And you might not have met that person yet. And this guy sounds nice, but he might not, he's not that person. If he's Mm -hmm. not willing to step up now, he's not meant for you. And that sucks because we want to, we want to be rewarded for our efforts. Right. And, and we don't want to be alone period. But if you, I just want to affirm so strongly your desire to do the work and your mm-hmm. recognition that it is work and yep. the work that you've done so far. Absolutely. And we talk about this a lot, but um, like the the romantic relationship isn't the only goal here, right? Like the head and heart work that you are currently doing is not just about finding a partner. That's a great goal to have. Um, and I think many of us have that same goal. But it's also about just existing in the world in a way where you are able to be open, where you can make lasting relationships and friendships, where you can raise kids that are uh, open and loving and vulnerable and Mm -hmm. willing to go into the world and do good. Um, And all of those things are things that you are currently doing, right? Right. And so um, I know that it is really hard to be alone and to want to have a partner and not have one. Like right. I, I totally understand that. Um, but there's so much good that is happening in your life right now um, that I don't want to see you throw out everything that you've worked so hard for and are currently doing just because of this one goal that you haven't achieved yet. Right. You are not defined by those who love you, but instead by the love you put out into the world. Absolutely. I I also want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, we have been talking about like timelines in this episode a lot. Yeah. Um, the fact that I want to have children in the next three years, that when to have a child when you're in your twenties, you know. And I think in this letter, something like the unspoken thing is, am I too old for love? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, who knows, anonymous, you not might not feel this way, but I think that's where a lot of despair and anxiety comes from is that we have this like timeline for love, right? Mm-hmm. That we think, oh my God, um, I literally had this really like self punishing thought the other day 
of like we grew up in the generation of our parents and particularly our grandparents being married for 50 years more or more. Yep. And I had the thought the other day of like, I might not be able to physically achieve that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I, like that. I, I grew up thinking about like the 50th anniversary as like the that's what you strive for. You strive for that long lasting love. Yep. Right. But I want to kind of push back on that. I want to, I want to like refer back to something Olivia Gatwood said in um, an episode where she was our guest. And she said she had been in a lot of relationships over the past like 10 years of her life. Yep. She, and she, she used to be self conscious about how um, maybe she should have spent more time being single or that like, Maybe she shouldn't have been in a relationship with X, Y, and Z, but she thought she came to a place of inner peace and said to herself, like, I'm lucky for being in love so mm-hmm. much. Yep. Like I spent most of my life in love and I can, I can find comfort in that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so taking that idea and going back to the idea of dating in your, thir- in your thirties and, and later into your life. Mm-hmm. I want to say that, A, the quality of your life isn't defined by how long you are in one relationship. Mm. That doesn't make your life more successful than someone else's life. True. Right? That you, your worth and your success as a human has nothing to do with the number on your anniversary. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. However, I also want to say that you could... Date someone um, uh, for the next four years anonymous, break up, and then date another person in your 40s, and then break up, and then date another person in the 50s. And that might not, not sound ideal, but think of all the love your life would still have. Absolutely. And I, I think we so often think about breakups as failures, that I failed. I failed as a person because the idea is to have that 50-year anniversary. Yep. But that's a, that's a lie we've been taught to, to believe. Absolutely. Our purpose on life is to be happy, to be kind, and to love, and to be loved. And sometimes that love doesn't work out, but that doesn't make us any less of a worthy, successful, like, whole person. I love that. And that's such a such a good point. And I would love it if you explained that to my aunts and uncles so I don't have to go on a cruise <laughs> this summer <laughs> to celebrate their 50th anniversary. <laughs> you don't want to go on a fucking cruise? Cruises are like hotels that you can't leave. Okay. You want me to tell your aunt and uncle to break up the fucking year before their 50th anniversary? Uh, no, I don't. I love them. I'll go on the cruise with you. I'll go on the cruise instead um, of you. But it is such a good point. And I think that we do value, we value the, the length of relationships mm-hmm. more than we value the healthiness of it sometimes. The quality, too, I know. Right? Oh my like, God. And so I think, um, I think that having a number of very healthy relationships is a great thing. Right. And, um, and I think that, you know, reframing that is, is something that we need to do as a society, but also we need to like unlearn it. Right. As as people. Yeah. So anonymous, this is all to say you don't, you, a, you're not alone. B you're doing a great job and C you don't lose hope by recognizing the myriad of ways that hope is still out there. Mm-hmm. The the hundreds of paths that your life has still has yet to take. Mm-hmm. 
You don't know. You could find your soulmate tomorrow. Yep. You could find them in your 50s. You could you could find the man you were meant to be with in the nursing home. Mm-hmm. And that was the path you were supposed to be on. Yep. Every choice you make right now is the right choice. Yep. And your life is full of possibilities and full of love. And we hope you feel love coming to you from the middle of the frozen country. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for writing, Anonymous. We love you. All right. That wraps up our... 26th episode. 26. 26. Every episode, we like to shout out something we want to send you home. This is the blind date segment of our show. This week, we want to set you up with... RuPaul's Jag Race. Oh All-Stars God. 4. I hate. <laughs> uh, is currently airing. Uh, for folks who don't know, RuPaul's Drag Race is a competition uh, of drag queens. Um to be named the next drag superstar. Um, and this is all-star, so it's like uh, queens that have been on other seasons that are coming together and competing um, for the crown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I love RuPaul's Drag Race so much. It's hilarious. It's affirming. Um, it's like some of my favorite people in the world have been on RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like we're friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just wanted to shout out that the the All-Stars 4 season is airing right now. Um and and you should all go watch it. It's fantastic. It is really fun. It's like it's like masterful. Oh, it's RuPaul knows how to make a show happen. <laughs> and the drag queens on there, it's an it's beyond an art form. Absolutely. It's so good. Yeah. All right, awesome. Uh that's RuPaul's Drag Race season 4. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can also slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is where you can also find our awesome hashtag Black 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 merchandise. Make sure to check that out and send some some merch to a good friend of yours or something. <laughs> I don't know. We're talking about like being kind in the new year. Yeah, there we go. Um, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. You can also uh, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. If you support us on Patreon, you also get a free uh, episode every week. And it's not free because you're paying $5 for it. <laughs> <laughs> you also get an extra episode every week of us mostly just shooting the shit. It's a great yeah. time. Yeah. Um, this really helps us keep the lights on and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship And advice. thank you to everybody who has supported us on Patreon so far. We are in love with every single one of you. Yeah, you're great. We're, we're in like one big polyamorous relationship. With all of you. It's yeah, fantastic. every single patron. <laughs> <laughs> Original music recording and editing by our friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast, and remember... In honor of the new year, I want you to recognize that the past does not have any control over you. It doesn't dictate what's to come. It doesn't dictate your worth as a human. And today, you're going to visualize the life you want to start today, right now, in this moment. You're going to enter this next year with love and compassion and an open heart to yourself and others, to those around you. You are in charge of your life, and no one has the power over your decision-making. You are not powerless, despite the people who have made you feel that way. In fact, you are made of power. You are made of love and life itself, and you're going to bring that goodness into your world. You're going to correct what needs to be corrected, 
You are going to write what has been wronged. And most importantly, you're going to be kind to yourself in this upcoming beautiful year. And if all of that fails, just break up. (laughs) 